Welcome to the Big O Show. My hope for this podcast is that you leave informed, but more importantly, inspired. And just like that song said, this is going to be the best day of your life. If you have that mindset, you're already halfway there. Welcome to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the uh, Big O Show podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Anka. It's another exciting episode of the Big O Show. Um, I have one of my close friends uh, from college and uh, former roommate, Derek Westbrook, is joining us on the podcast this uh, this week. Uh, welcome, Derek. What's up? Big Onk. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? How's Texas? Texas is hot. Uh, this whole week we've been above 100 degrees, so um, <laughs> not been pleasant. We at least don't have the humidity that you know we were used to in Mobile and you have in Pensacola. So that's uh, it's always funny when people say, here in central texas oh it's so humid it's like you guys don't even know what humid is <laughs> go live on the gulf coast you'll see what humidity is yeah it's definitely hot i think today uh in pensacola here it was like 108 with the heat index like 90 percent humidity so i yeah. definitely feel that i'll miss yeah. that yeah yeah very few people do so um <laughs> I didn't give a whole, whole lot of introduction, just said that you were my, uh, you know, one of my good friends and, uh, you know, college roommates. If you had to uh, quickly, and I know you can talk, if you had to quickly describe yourself to someone to say, like, who is Derek, how would you describe yourself, who who you are? Uh, Sports-loving, um, God-fearing man who uh, works in at college athletics and uh, – very, very, very washed up former student athlete. Um, so I don't really know how else to go beyond that. But um, can we go back to the, the close friend part with you? We still don't know how you and I met. You know, that's <laughs> what we we had guesstimate. It was sometime between sophomore and junior year of college, but we don't actually know. Yeah, no, we definitely uh, don't know. Uh, that's It's kind of weird. All my close friends, I really don't know how I met them all. I can't even going back to like my wife, like Alyssa, like we kind of just already knew each other mm-hmm. uh, where there's not like that definitive point in time uh, when we met or got like introduced that we can remember at least. Yep. Um, you. Yeah. You talk about washed up athlete. Um, I know obviously, but uh, what, what sports did you play growing up um, and even in through college? Yep. Growing up uh, came from a big basketball family. My dad's, Two brothers both played uh, college basketball. The younger brother played at Lamar. He's six foot ten, um, so actually played against Shaquille O'Neal in college. Um, and they were all just a big basketball family. Um, so grew up playing basketball, baseball, soccer was really uh, probably my best sport besides running, because um, obviously doing track and cross country in college. You know, most people will say that they enjoy running who run in college. I hated it. I mean, I loved it, but I hated it. I did not pick to run track and cross country. It definitely chose me. Yeah. So why, so you say it chose you, you didn't choose it. What do you mean by that? Um, I would have preferred to play a sport collegiately with a ball. Uh, Whenever you think about what long distance running is, essentially what other sports do to punish their athletes, you know, go run poles and baseball, um, you're going to run gassers and football. But for me, 
that's what I got to do every single day for four years. Um, so didn't really plan on doing that, but, you know, I guess it just picked me. Yeah. So staying on the, like, whole running thing, you know, I like a lot of people run for, like, it's a therapeutic kind of, like, thing or it's a fun exercise or something just kind of to stay in shape. You know, what – what motivated you while you were like training to run or running in general for practice or whatever? Like, how do you stay motivated for that? Cause I know it, I know it's like a, it is a individual slash team sport and all that, but it's different because you're not directly counter competing. You know, it's just like you running your best time. Correct. The team aspect is honestly like I, you know, from running in high school, I had a team, um, but like we weren't, like a college team, you know, it's different running in high school and, you know, where I went in Mississippi um, and I say this with the most humility possible, there was no real competition in my area. And so didn't really have people to push me, um, especially in practice. I mean, there were some meets with my brother who's three years younger than me um, or some practices where he was like the next best runner. And, you know, it's just tougher to train whenever you're like having, there's a workout that we did where I was doing a mile um, time trial and my coach had four different people run four different laps with me to try and help push the pace just because it was going to be tough for you know someone else to do that but then in college you know I, I was a state champion in high school you get to college and you are not even close to being the best and so honestly having that team and group of guys to push you was probably the best motivating factor um, and it was just fun you know getting to to run and, and I say it's fun um, I mean, there's there's not a lot that's fun about running, you know, 10 miles at close to six-minute pace. But whenever you have guys that you can just kind of cut up and laugh with while you're running, it makes it go by a lot easier. And then, honestly, you kind of forget that you're struggling and, you know, it's it's hurting. And um, so it's, it's definitely easier to motivate through having that team aspect. And I've definitely noticed that since graduating, you know, running mostly by myself, it's not as easy as it used to be. And that's not, you know, we can add a couple other factors into there, you know, putting a little bit of weight on and all that. But um, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, the motivation factor was, was for sure the team. So, yeah, absolutely. So what um, sound like a novice here, but, you know, what makes a good runner outside of just being fast? You know, everyone yeah. thinks like I'm a good runner, like, oh, he's he's quick. Well, what separates, like you talked about, you're a state champion, similar to kind of like every sport you're, you're not going to go to college if you're not excellent at the high school level, but like you get there, what separates a runner like at that co- collegiate level and even beyond? Mm-hmm. I think probably consistency. And then you just have to do everything right. And it was kind of a joke within our team, but then it ended up being something that was serious talking about the extra 1% that you do. And so you add up all of these extra little 1% things that you can do. And it ends up like all the factors that we came up with, it ended up being like an extra 15%. And that's taking care of your body, you know, truly going and participating in recovery. You know, it's, it's easy after practice to just goof off while you're foam rolling. And, you know, we made it a point to like take your foam rolling seriously. You know, that's, you don't do that just to, you know, check the box. It's there for a reason. So doing things like that, eating correctly, getting the you know right amount of sleep every night but the consistency factor and that's like probably most key with like non-collegiate you know just every day-to-day runner it's it's a little bit more difficult to gain strength and endurance whenever you run two days a week you know and, and that's not to say that running two days a week is wrong you know it's better than 
nothing, but whenever you're out there four to five days a week, you're able to build up that endurance. Um, and so I think probably just, you know, doing all those little things correctly is what separates those because especially whenever you get to college, as you know, everyone's just as good as you, if not better. And so trying to take each individual opportunity and making the most of that um, is probably what separates, you know, the boys from the men. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's cool just to hear that perspective though, because like, unless you live it like you did, you don't really necessarily know. And, you know, it varies from sport to sport. It's it's similar as far as recovery, but, you know, football is obviously a more physical sport where right. strength and other things, you know, play a big a bigger role. Um, so, you, you know, you did that in college. I know, obviously, it didn't go as, as well as you wanted. You caught the injury bug a little bit. Um, you know, what what helped you get through all those ebbs and flows? You know, just just I bring that up because you know, with the time that we're in, it's it's not exactly the same thing. But a lot of people can kind of relate that you know, you go through ups and downs. Um, and this is obviously a down right now for everyone. Yeah. How did? Um, yeah. No, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine. I was just going to say, how did you, how'd you deal with that? Honestly, like, the, it sounds super cliche, um, but, I mean, for one, having a strong faith and knowing that, you know, there's a greater plan and purpose um, and having just such a strong family to remind myself of that. Um, but secondly, having, you know, such a just tight-knit group of friends, um, you know, because really whenever – yeah, I got injured my sophomore year and then, you know, had the knee surgery my junior year, but was rehabbing that whole summer, you know, gonna, I was supposed to have my, you know, hopefully my best season ever my senior year. And that's never, I lived with you and Brayden and um, Boo Man and, you know, having just like you guys and having stuff that really keeps your mind off of it and having just that core group of people just to have fun. And like, I mean, I can't even count how many times we we were probably, crying laughing at our house just you know from doing stupid stuff and um so kind of having your your things to fall back on like I knew that running wasn't my identity um I mean you go to college and you're as a college athlete you know that is your identity but knowing ultimately that that's not my purpose and why I'm here uh, I think probably that helped and and as any athlete can attest you know whenever you you go through an injury you have a lot of rock bottom moments and so being told that, you know, your knee surgery failed is, uh, you know, that's that's a tough thing to hear. And, you know, the doctor telling you, you cannot physically sustain what it takes to be an elite level athlete anymore. Like you might, your body can't handle it. And so, you know, from my standpoint, not getting to have the closure of like a senior meet or, you know, whatever, like my last race was my last race. And, you know, thankfully it was one of my better ones. And that's something I was able to hang my hat on and really just knowing that I had, you know, a greater purpose than running. I wasn't going to be an Olympic athlete. I accepted that whenever I, you know, got to college. I, especially when I was humbled in my first couple of races, like I'm nowhere near as good as I think I am. And I accepted that pretty early on. And um, so I think that that really helped. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think like you touched upon it, but like having that, and I think everyone gets to that point at a certain, at a certain point in their life or career, but uh, accepting or realizing that, you know, the sport that you are playing or the job that you have is what you do, not who you are. Yep. It's like that, that aha moment that I think like you were alluding to. So um, what 
now fast forwarding to now, uh, what are you up to nowadays? Like what are you doing in your career? Yep. So I uh, work for Baylor University in our athletic department, Rick and Bears, and um, work in the fan engagement sector. So our job is essentially to help um, boost the experience that you as a fan receive outside of the play on the field. So, you know, football, like I play the music. And so, you know, there's dead times or there's kickoffs where you just score a touchdown. You're trying to keep the energy going in the stadium to keep your um, your team's energy real high as they're coming out on defense. And so playing a fun kickoff song that gets the crowd going, gets the team jumping up and down. Um, and basically just, you know, anything that takes place in the game itself outside of the actual play is what we essentially are responsible for. So um, it's really I get paid to have fun. I mean, I'm going to sporting events for – free and you know having the best seat in the house i cannot ever complain about that and it's it's you know tough to sometimes remember that you know there's a lot of 80 plus hour weeks where you're just dead and it's like man i'm super grateful to get to do what i do like there are people out there who pay thousands of dollars to go to sporting events every year and i'm paid to be here and i'm sitting right at mid-court at a basketball game like that's pretty dang cool so um yep working and trying to stay in shape like you are yeah absolutely now, did you know you always wanted to, like, work at the college level, or was that something that kind of just, like, fell in your lap, or or what? So, honestly, the what I look back on, biggest blessing was the injury my junior year, because that's what opened up that opportunity for me um, to intern with the marketing department there itself. And so, had no idea. I knew I wanted to do something with sports, but just had a general sports management degree, and you know, that program was so new at South whenever um, we were there that, like, I, you know, I didn't really know um, what to do. But Coach, uh, or not Coach, you know, um, Dr. Keyshock, he was so good with us. And you and I took a class together. And Dr. Keyshock, if you ever listen to this, I'm still bitter about our um, lazy water at the rec center, but we can talk about that another time. Um, you know, just him talking through these things with me and kind of, like, picking out what are my strengths. And, and he helped me a ton. Um, and he was fun, and so then going into that internship with the marketing department, that really opened my eyes of, like, whenever you think about it, not a lot of people know that there's just this huge group of people who are behind every sporting event, and I didn't know that it existed, really. You just kind of, things happen whenever you attend a game as a fan. You don't really think about it, but there's just this hard-working group of people that are putting on those events, so doing that and then you know, being super um, fortunate with the opportunity to come be a graduate assistant at Baylor and work in our marketing department, which is now fan engagement. And that really opened the door um, and just really fell in love with it. So um, kind of one of those things is just I knew that that was what I was called to do. And ultimately that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have gotten injured. So, you know, something that was deemed by myself as this hard time in my life was actually the one of the biggest blessings in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely a blessing for sure. So talking about like, you know, opportunities and everything else, just give you a little kudos here, but like you are even talking to like Braden or even Alyssa, my wife or whoever, like when I think of networking, I think of Derek Westbrook, you know, <laughs> I think I you joke, I, you know, I'm laughing with you, but like, you are like the, the example of like how to network, like every time, whenever we would hang out, you would talk to so-and-so, the new so-and-so, or like you were always making connections. 
and just uh, talk about like, you know, people that maybe not necessarily want to do exactly what you do, but just the power of like networking and like making those connections. I know you talked about it a little bit, but just if you could just give your insight into like that importance. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of stemmed from my childhood, honestly, with my, um, you know, my dad's job with him working for DuPont. We moved around so many different times where I was forced to talk to people and, you know, meet people. And if I didn't do that, I'd be the kid in the corner, you know, sitting by myself at the cafeteria. And so um, that kind of made it to where it was easy for me to want to do that. And then remembering what it's like to be, you know, the person in the room who didn't know anyone. And so, um, you know, always wanting to like at FCA, you know, talk to the new people and um, especially with what, you know, I do, the sports industry is such a small, tight-knit community that I might not know someone, but I know someone who knows someone. And it is so important just to meet those people. And even if it's like a quick five-minute conversation, and whenever they hear my name, you know, the next time it comes up, they're like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I've talked with that guy before. Um, and it's just something that hopefully leaves an impression in their head. But um, that's something I tell people all the time. Like, you know, biggest advice in sports or really anything is just get to know people um, and I think that a lot of it comes from my personality. It's just I'm friendly and I enjoy talking. And as you mentioned, I can talk a lot. Um, so it's just something that I've enjoyed doing. But um, and again, I've, I've already said it. But everyone knows someone who knows someone, and that is so, so, so important because you never know whose connections you know are where and where those doors can open up uh, to new opportunities. So kind of just jumping at those. I know you know, working that sand volleyball tournament in um, Gulf Shores every year that um, Dr. Keyshock had us do to get extra credit in his class. Like, you know, doing things like that, those were tiny things that took two hours out of my day on a Saturday. And ultimately, you know, I met people who worked for the NCAA and, you know, they knew people where I work now. And it's just, you never know where those networks and networking opportunities are going to lead to. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, you definitely don't. It's one of those things, you know, you plant seeds and then hopefully one day it grows into something. Yeah. Um, what What would you say, you know, obviously if you're an athlete, you're kind of, let's just be honest, you have more opportunities to stay in the athletic realm uh, if you want to, if you want to coach, if you want to do potentially something like you are doing. But if you don't play college sports, you're not like a – you know, the tallest, the fastest that can play or excel at any of even like high school sports, how would you get into, uh, how do you think you would get into uh, working in college athletics? Like if you don't have those connections? Yeah. What? Well, I mean, really every department has interns and I'm speaking like directly for undergrad students right now. You know, we always, like we have 20 student workers who are on our staff and we Essentially, like we've gotten in this kind of groove where most of them are juniors and seniors, and so we're graduating people every year. We hire like eight new kids every single year, and that's just my department. And you know, within each athletic department, there's other departments who also need student workers. And so, jumping at those opportunities, and you know, if there's someone out there who's interested in sports who's a freshman, they should take the opportunity, unless they know exactly what they want to do, work in four different departments while you're there. That's meeting you know, over half of your athletic department and getting to see just the different areas. And then you're, you're essentially doing networking while you're doing that. Um, you're learning about the ins and outs of, of sports. And, um, but honestly, you know, the term shoot your shot, 
Like I can't tell you how many times we've had people shoot me just and same with my staff, random emails and just saying, Hey, would love to like call and connect with you about, you know, what you do. And especially in a time like this right now, there's not a ton going on. You know, like we don't have the events that which are typically, you know, keeping us busy. Like now is the time to make those connections. Like I would more than happy, you know, to jump on a Zoom call with anyone who wants to learn more about what we do or just make a connection. Like there's most people who are in college athletics have the same mindset of just wanting to pay it forward and help people. You know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if someone didn't reach out for, you know, to offer advice and help to me. And so, you know, would be pretty selfish myself to not do that for other people. So I think probably that's the easiest way to go about it is just reaching out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you already don't have the job. The worst possible thing they can tell you is no. I mean, mm-hmm. you might as well try. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> go for it. And like you yeah. said, I mean, there's not a lot going on right now. So what a, what other excuse do you have to not exactly. you know, try not try it? Yep. Um, so obviously I know you work at Baylor, but not speaking as a Baylor rep, speaking as Derek Westbrook, mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the fall season, football in particular, um, do you think the season can happen? I know some conferences have already said, you know, conference-only games. You know, what are your thoughts on the season? I'm hopeful that we'll at least get conference games in um, in the fall. I think, you know, understanding how much of a business that college athletics is, um, that revenue is definitely needed. And, you know, someone you obviously know, Braden knows, like sports are such a just relief from society of like, you know, there's so much stressful stuff that's going on. I can't tell you how many times, and yes, games cause you stress, but like watching a game just makes you forget about everything else going on in the world. And so that's that's something I'm hopeful that we'll be able to give to people, even if it were, you know, say you start the season and you have to cut it off halfway through, and who knows, you know, there's much smarter people making these decisions than myself, um, you know, but who knows if they'll be able to kick it back off in the spring or something along those lines, but I'm hopeful, um, especially if people can follow the guidelines that are being put in place. I know here in Texas we um, are required to ma- wear masks everywhere we go. So um, I'm hopeful that, you know, that will kind of eliminate this issue if, you know, everyone adheres to what their respective state is telling you to do. And, you know, we should be able to play. Um, but, again, you know, there's much smarter people who are making those decisions than myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm not qualified to speak on the health, <laughs> the health side of it, but I think, you know, I think they can play. I don't think that's really a, a question. Right. And I get like, I get like the other, the other conferences not wanting to play smaller level, you know, Conference USA, Sunbelt level schools, just because the regulations on their testing and guidelines and safety and all that's not the same. Right. So I don't want to like take down a whole league like the big 12 or something. Yeah. Um, but like I could see definitely playing. I just don't get. I don't know. The fan part is the iffy part, you know. Yeah. Especially if like pro sports can't have it. How you know why would college sports? But then you look like this. I guess uh, earlier this week uh, there was a NASCAR race that had twenty thousand fans in the stands. Right. Right. So so it's kind of counter, you know. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, you know, bare minimum. I hope that we at least have you know, a game that people can all watch on TV and that I'm hoping will, you know, push us forward into the spring and 
know there are other countries like you know they they've started allowing fans back at unrestricted guidelines. Um, you know, I think it was Taiwan maybe was playing baseball with their stands 100% full, and that's you know granted because they've been able to kind of knock this thing out. Um, so we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's it's tough to to know if we're going to have fans, especially whenever professional sports aren't at the moment. But um, yeah. I think there's definitely ways to do it. You know, whenever you say 50% capacity, that's not 50% capacity of the entire stadium. That's 50% capacity of what each section can hold. Um, and so there's ways to do, you know, inflow and outflow and all of that. And, again, not not my decision to make because I'm not nearly as smart as people who are in the room who are coming up with those guidelines. But hopeful that we're able to do something. I know uh, – kind of been like we've been without sports since March and I feel like I'm starting to develop a rash that won't go away because I just miss sports. <laughs> yeah, I'm just worried if for like small schools especially, you know, us going to like South Alabama, like if I, I think South because they don't, they're different because they have all the medical money, you know, they right. don't rent buildings, they buy them. But like a lot of, like even I saw Arkansas State, if they can't have football, they may have to cut the whole program. Yeah. And like I worry about like the long-term, you know, outlook on on college football and college sports in general. So I just, you know, like you said, have faith. Hopefully that we don't get to that point. Yep. Well, these, I mean, I obviously work at a power five conference school, but my heart will always be with the small schools. Just like you said, you and I going there. And so um, it would, it would really, really stink if something were to happen that ended up making these, you know, smaller schools who aren't generating as much revenue, um, you know, to where they have some financial struggles and, have to make those tough decisions of cutting sports. Like, you know, I'd really hate to get to do that because that's ultimately, you know, you and I got opportunities at a school like South to go play. And, you know, we had other opportunities elsewhere. That's where we ended up landing. And you, like you mentioned earlier, being a student athlete is what gave us both the opportunity to do what we're doing now. So I hope that, you know, we're able to get something going because those non-conference games for the small schools, you know, they call them buy games where you're playing the bigger schools and, you know, ultimately it's, it is to help your budget, but it's also an off, great opportunity for your student athletes to go play in Death Valley in front of a hundred thousand people, you know, like that's, that's a cool experience. I know you guys got to play at Tennessee and um, I'm trying to remember where else you guys played NC South, state, South Carolina. Uh, NC yeah, state, yeah. Yeah. So that's a cool opportunity for the student athletes, but also knowing that that, you know, financial contribution that you're getting from those schools does help with a significant portion of your budget. And so that's a needed thing um, for those schools. So it's going to be interesting to just follow all of this, how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no, it's definitely coming to that, that make or break point, but uh, we'll definitely keep watching it. That's for sure. So how have you transitioned in here? How have you stayed motivated during this whole quarantine? I know you're an active person, but like how, like, have you struggled with staying active or staying motivated to work out during this whole quarantine and COVID situation? Not really. I remember, you know, talking with, um, you know, one of our strength coaches for women's basketball here and saying, you know, him telling us that um, you have an opportunity to get better during this or you can get worse or you can stay the same. And um, whenever we realized that all the gyms were shutting down, um, got a Peloton and, uh, you know, been doing that every day. I mean, I, really don't miss a day and then um going to one of our gyms is reopened here so going to that with one of my coworkers, uh, and then you know you put out the the big onk challenge um the 
you know, one mile a day and then um, five miles of other sorts of activity. And um, I struggle with the one gallon just because the water here is not so pleasant um, to drink out of tap. So, but just been doing the one mile a day and, um, you know, honestly, I'm just seeing the, the strength that I've gained and I've lost weight and um, it's been pretty cool and easy. You know, once you start seeing the results, as every athlete knows, it's you get addicted to it and it's it's something you don't want to stop, especially, you know, me being a, a distance runner, knowing what I used to be able to do and seeing, you know, some sort of resemblance to who 165 pound Derek used to be. Nowhere close <laughs> to that, but we're getting there. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to just, you know, those kind of things keep you going. So sort of having, you know, group of friends who are also active and want to continue to get better. And then my girlfriend is big into fitness, so that makes it even easier. So, yep. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, you know me, I'm a very motivated person, but even I, you know, have days where you want to be a little bit lazy or something, but that's why I kind of did that whole one, five, one challenge. I know you lat was that last year you did the two miles every day? in 2018 yep two miles every day of 2018 yeah so same kind of thing but just sticking to it and i know we kind of talked about before uh the interview even just like having that that peer pressure using peer pressure for a positive thing and that using like you know people checking in on you like hey how's it going or oh i saw you doing this and it kind of holds you accountable yeah and that's you know you you're doing it correctly by doing it every single day you know putting your um your stuff out there and you know, I, I actually look for those tweets every day. I'm like, oh, it's not as good as one five one challenge in today. And, um, you know, for me, it was I didn't want to overload Twitter with it with an update every single day for 365 days. But making sure I was checking in every, you know, week or a couple of weeks. And it got to the point, like I mentioned earlier, where, you know, I'm at a volleyball match or at a basketball game. And especially whenever we're getting closer to the end um, of, you know, people coming up and saying, did you get your, your, your running today? What day are you on? And then I found out that there was actually a bet within our athletic department <laughs> of people betting how, not actually betting, no wagering, please, um, of how far I was going to make it. And so some people said three months, some people said six, some people said seven. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to prove these suckers wrong. And uh, so I think that made it a little bit easier to motivate myself too. Um, and, you know, not that they were actually – doubting you know what i was going to do but it was just you know kind of fun to know who those people were and prove them wrong so um, yeah having that accountability made it so much easier for sure yeah no i kind of i went back and forth about like posting it every day or you know whatever it's easy to get wrapped up into like overloading people or like caring about who's going to like what or something but it's kind of i kind of use it as also like just another step for me to kind of get to that point to where like you don't care. You just kind of put out whatever you want to put out and like care less about what people, you know, keyboard warriors are saying or thinking yep. or whatever, but just, just doing that. So it's, it's um, your social media, you do what you want. Yeah. Your page, your expression for sure. Yep. Um, in closing, I know you've heard episodes before. I usually end with like a quote or something that like I've read or inspired me this week or in general, um, but when we have guests, uh, Braden, you know, was the first one. Um, he brought his own quote. Do you have a quote with you that is like your favorite or has inspired you recently? Yeah. So mine has been the same one for a while. I actually have two of them, um, and they kind of tie into each other. One of them is the Jimmy Valvano speech from 
1993 ESPYs, and he just says the the seven words, um, don't give up, don't ever give up. And I think that really hits every facet of life, especially in a time like right now where it's it's tough. You know, people are losing jobs. People are uh, not able to see family members because they're quarantining, and it's it's tough. It is a tough time right now, and I think that really hits home for me, you know, just continuing to, to fight the good fight, don't give up. Um, but then the other one, funny enough, is actually one that you had told me in my junior year is that um, poem, In the Valleys I Grow. And so I love that poem. I read it all the time. Um, I'm not a poem guy, but um, just talking about, yes, the mountaintops are great and they're glorious, but it's in the valleys where you grow and gain strength. And, and I think there's a lot, you know, that ties into, especially now, like I mentioned, where it's super applicable to a lot of things. You know, life is about, uh, I talked with Coach Barnett, my uh, former cross-country coach, who's now at Auburn, and he mentioned, you know, essentially you have your whole life, you're going through three stages. You're either coming out of a battle, you're in a battle, or you're heading into one. And so I think those mountaintops and valleys are, are really important to, to always gain perspective and remember that, you know, you're going to go through the valleys, but you're working your way up to the top of the mountain. And once you hit that mountain, just know that another battle is coming and, uh, you know, always trying to be ready for it. So I'd say those two things are, are probably the the ones that I lean on the most. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely everyone's going through something and, uh, you know, you're going to get through it. Just don't give up, like you said. Well, uh, I appreciate the time, Derek. I'm going to go ahead and I know you're busy. I'm busy. We'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast and we'll have to get you back on hopefully in the fall, whenever fall sports are hopefully in uh, full swing and uh, we'll catch up more then. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Go Jags and Sikkim Bears. All right. We'll talk to you later, Derek. See you, man. I'd like to take time again to thank my good friend, Derek Westbrook, for taking time out of his busy day. Uh, to join me on the podcast and to uh, get your Monday morning started off on the right note with a little bit of motivation and inspiration. Hopefully you guys found something uh, knowledgeable or you got something from uh, what Derek had to say in this week's episode. And be sure to check out your midweek sports update on Wednesday. And remember, every day is a choice. It's all about your perception and your attitude that you attack each day with. Go out there and make today the best day of your life.